It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. And as always, it is presented by betonline.ag. They're your online sportsbook experts. And if you use the promo code PODCAST1, you get a 50% sign-up bonus, which is pretty awesome. Betonline.ag. Your online sports book experts. He is Joe Dolan. Check him out on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Now I've got five podcasts, even money podcasts with Dave Mason talking about draft prop bets yesterday was awesome. Speaking of that, by the way, we are going to dive into guys that Joe believes are overrated and underrated. Rookies at each position he believes are overrated and underrated going into the draft from, of course, a fantasy perspective. Next week's Fantasy Feast will be on Tuesday. We want to have it a couple days ahead of the 2020 NFL draft very much looking forward to Tuesday's show might even have a special guest for you speaking of special this is obviously a very unique time if you listen to some of the other shows you've heard me mention it or talk about it before highly encourage you to check out myfrontpagestory.com what an unbelievably perfect gift for this time, especially for people that aren't going to be able to see their moms or grandmothers or whatever with Mother's Day coming up. Myfrontpagestory.com. Get a beautiful story written about your loved one sent directly to them during this time. They will love it. And if you use the code SD20, like standard definition, SD20, you will get a 20 percent discount all right so joe before we get into uh one overrated and underrated prospect at every skill position heading into the draft before we actually know what teams they're on so you're actually just evaluating the player as opposed to the situation i did want to get your thoughts on brandon cooks i can't remember if uh, we talked about that with Evan last week, or if that had even gone down yet at that point. So your thoughts on Brandon Cooks to the Texans, what it means for both the Texans and the L.A. Rams. It's a bizarre trade, Ross. Um, And I think a lot of people have noted that Bill O'Brien is famous right now for making some bizarre trades. And look, I I think it's a – I think it's a move that improves Houston. I don't think anybody's going to argue against that. Deshaun Watson is one of the most aggressive passers uh, in the NFL. As a matter of fact, he's one of the league's best deep ball passers. Uh, According to Pro Football Focus, Watson uh, totaled 1,111 yards on deep passes, more than double Jared Goff last year. He uh, was he led the league in deep accuracy percentage at around 38%. Goff was seventh worst in the NFL. 
the problem here is Deshaun Watson being one of those aggressive throwers very much it was a great fit with DeAndre Hopkins because Deshaun Watson would throw the ball up and DeAndre Hopkins would go get it. And I don't think anybody would argue that Brandon Cooks is a great contested catch wide receiver. And I keep coming back to one major point. This is the third time Brandon Cooks has been traded. Now, of course, the first two times he was traded for a first round pick when he went from the Saints to the Patriots and then when he went from the Patriots to the Rams. Now he's traded for a second round pick. So obviously he's somebody who's who's garnered a lot of draft compensation in return for his services in his short NFL career. And, it, and basically it has been short. He's still pretty young. The thing that I just keep coming back to is something that I believe is true for both fantasy and reality. Teams that have Brandon Cooks in both fantasy and reality seem to like him a heck of a lot less than teams that don't have him. It seems that teams are always willing to trade him away, and then once they get him, they're like, oh, uh, uh, you sign into a contract? Oh, boy. They might want to move Brandon Cooks now. It just seems that way. And the interesting thing with, with the Texans now is how does this wide receiver group shake out? And – I think everybody is going to react as if Will Fuller is the team's number one, Cooks is the two, Randall Cobb is the three, and Kenny Stills, who, by the way, we've heard trade rumors about, maybe he could be on the move, currently is the number four. I think Will Fuller is going to be the guy who's going to get drafted earliest, and because people really like Deshaun Watson and know that the that they have been really, when they're healthy together, They've really been a great connection. It's been that problem of staying healthy for Will Fuller. But I think he's going to be off the board uh, by the draft's first 50 picks on the regular by the time summer rolls around. And that makes me wonder if Brandon Cooks is actually going to be the better value. And the thing about Cooks is I've never regretted not drafting him the last couple years. I was off of him when he was with the Patriots. I was off of him in his few years with the Rams. I just thought he was too expensive. That ended up working out when it was with the Patriots. The cheaper wide receiver Julian Edelman outproduced him. When it was with the Rams, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods were cheaper than him. They both outproduced him. Now I'm starting to wonder – He's going to be the cheaper of the two receivers, and he's a similar player to Will Fuller. If he's going in the 6th, 7th, 8th round, by the time summer rolls around, I'll probably be in on Cooks more than I have been in the recent past. Um, Randall Cobb, I think, is going to be a double-digit round pick. He could be a decent value. But if Cooks goes a couple rounds, even three, four rounds, cheaper than Fuller, as I expect he will, I will probably be more in on Brandon Cooks than I was on Will Fuller. The other issue is we know the concussions, and he could be one or two concussions away from having to hang it up, and I think that's a huge concern for Brandon Cooks. But it's interesting for this offense. I think we're going to see Deshaun Watson throw the ball down the field aggressively. He's always done that. Uh, the, ho the hope is the offensive line can hold up enough for Brandon Cooks uh, to get down the field, get open, and Deshaun Watson to hit him. And then that brings us to the Rams because I think this might actually be the more interesting part of this trade because the Rams now drop cooks from the equation and their top three receivers are Robert Woods, Cooper cup and Josh Reynolds. But keep this in mind in 2018, two seasons ago, no team played more 11 personnel. That's three wide receivers and one tight end 
than the Rams. They did it 81% of the time. And for the, for, through the first 12 weeks of 2019, they played out of 11 personnel 76% of the time. That was second most in the NFL. However, from week 13 on, the Rams made a significant change. They switched from being a predominant three-wide receiver team to a predominant two-tight end team. They played out of 12 personnel, one running back and two tight ends, 40% of the time in the final five weeks of the season. That, that was second most in the NFL. And if you remember last season, you know who benefited from that. Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby averaged over 20 fantasy points per game in that time. His snaps were up to 92% over the final five weeks of the season, as opposed to 53% in the first 12 weeks of the season. And the guy who got hurt the most by this was Cooper Cup. Even though his scoring was good because he was scoring touchdowns, his snaps were down from 88% to 64% in the final five weeks of the season. And his targets per game fell from 9.5 per game in the first 12 weeks to six per game in the final five weeks of the season. So I actually think this might hurt Cooper Cup a little bit. Josh Reynolds, this helps him. Um, when, uh, when Cooper Cup and, and Brandon Cooks have been out, Josh Reynolds averages 6.3 targets per game. Uh, so that's a big boot bump for him in the last couple of years when Cup and Cooks were out. But I think Tyler Higby's the big beneficiary. I think the guy who really, really benefits is Robert Woods. And I think Tyler Higby benefits. And as much as I love Cooper Cup, I'm not entirely sure that he's a receiver who benefits when uh, somebody, uh, when he has to play on the outside against tougher press man coverage. So I'm a little bit worried about Cooper Cup if the Rams are going to go with this heavy 12 personnel with Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett out there. So Robert Woods is now my favorite Ram wide receiver to draft. I really like Tyler Higby. This is good news for him. Josh Reynolds is a great late round ad. And I think if Cooper Cup is going in like the third or fourth round, as I expect him to, that might be a little pricey for me, which is hard for me to say because I adore Cooper Cup. I thought he was, I mean, through the first 10 weeks of last season, he was one of the 10 best fantasy players. And then things kind of fell off the cliff for him. Um, as his targets fell, he needs targets to really produce. I am a little bit worried about this for him, but Robert Woods is going to be one of my most drafted players in the 2020 NFL season. Wow. <clears throat> I like it. Good breakdown, Joe. That's how we do it here on the fantasy feast. That was thorough and awesome. Let's do the same with some of these overrated, underrated rookie prospects before we know their situation with their, mm -hmm. where they're selected and this is based on fantasy purposes, not necessarily overrated or underrated players. Let's start with the quarterback position on the overrated list. You got Tua. Yeah, and this is the thing that, I, I mean, if you talk, I don't want to say talk trash because I'm not trying to trash talk them, but if you say something mildly negative about Tua on Twitter, I mean, the dogs are out, Ross. I mean, they come out. Uh, Alabama has very, very passionate football fans. And Tua, obviously, has been a very, very good player, uh, an excellent player, an all-time great Alabama player at the college level. But when you combine the injury to the hip with the skill set, 
I'm not sure how great he's going to be for fantasy unless he lands in a spot where he's got great receivers alongside him. So when it comes to Tua, he's not a great mover. He's he's not awful in that department, but you would think it's going to take a year or two before, if ever, before he's able to move at the level he did early in his Alabama career following the injury. He's more of a ball distributor. Um, He can throw the ball down the field. I'm not arguing against that, but he doesn't have elite arm strength. We've heard Greg Cosell kind of compare him to a Drew Brees stylistically. Now, I know Drew Brees is a great fantasy quarterback, but I think it might take a lot of time for Tua to get to that level. And I think ultimately he is going to be a product of his supporting cast. So right now, I'm just not sure Tua is going to be as appealing, especially if he's playing in 2020, as the other guy he's most compared to in this class, Joe Burrow, who I think is going to come in and have a chance to have an instant fantasy impact when he gets into Cincinnati. I don't think Tua... Probably, if he lands in Miami or even with the Chargers, he's probably going to be in the early 20s in my rankings at quarterback. And that's if he checks out as healthy. So for right now, Tua, when it comes to dynasty, I'm pretty iffy on him. What about your underrated guy, Jalen Hurts? It seems like there are more people that like Hurts than we realize. Yeah, so there's. I, I thought this was definitely going to happen here as we get closer to the draft. And a couple of weeks ago, I, I think people were like, you know, Hertz is interesting. You know, maybe somebody will take a shot on him in the third, fourth round. And then I think teams in this uh, time of quarantine, when they're doing their meetings, their virtual meetings, probably got Jalen Hurts on Zoom or Skype or whatever it is they do, and they fell in love with him. And... Whether you talk to somebody who likes Jalen Hurts, film doesn't like it. The one thing everybody is going to agree on when it comes to Hurts is he might be one of the two or three highest character players in this entire draft. And when you look at what he did at Alabama, take him to the playoff, get benched in the championship game, watch Tua lead them to the national championship in a comeback against Georgia, and then he stayed to compete for the job. Nobody, nobody would have blamed him if he had left. And, he, and you know, arguably he should have because he ended up going to Oklahoma as a grad transfer and ended up blowing it up um, statistically, improving as a passer. Everything about this kid suggests he is going to work to get better. He is uh, he is super high character. He's a great teammate and his skill set might fit the modern NFL very well. Now, I don't think he's as good a runner or a passer as Lamar Jackson. I think that's an unfair comparison for Jalen Hurts. However, when you combine his character with his movement ability, his ability to improve as a passer, which he has shown, his ability to be coached. Remember, he went from a run-heavy offense at Alabama to a spread offense where he's throwing the ball all around the yard at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. All those things combined with the modern NFL teams probably borrowing from what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson, even if they don't have the same type of athlete and nobody does borrowing from that, using your quarterback as a runner. I think Jalen hurts. If he is making starts at any point in 2020, we're probably going to be ranking him as a top 12 to 14 quarterback. It's just the way it goes with a quarterback who can move and Jalen hurts can move. And I wouldn't be stunned. We'll talk about the draft next week. But given his character, given the way he has improved year to year, and 
Early in his career, Ross, I thought there was no way this kid was an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I just didn't think he threw the ball well enough. Now I'm starting to change my tone based on watching him, based on watching what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson, what the Bills have done with Josh Allen. And I'm starting to think, man, I think there's a shot here. And I wouldn't be stunned if a team traded into the back half of the first round to draft Jalen Hurts. I expect him to be off the board by the end of the third round, almost a guarantee. I'm currently fully expecting him to be a second-round pick to the right team, but I wouldn't be shocked if somebody traded in to the back end of the first round to take Jalen Hurts, just based on the unique combination of traits and supremely high character. Kind of ironic, isn't it, that you're overrated and underrated are Tua and Hurts, two guys that I watched them both play in the SEC championship game a couple years ago. I was on the sideline for that. One of the best games I was ever at, by the way. Let's get to running backs, Joe. Uh, your overrated guy, Zach Moss from Utah. Yeah, this one's tough because when I initially watched Zach Moss, I really liked him, um, uh, comparing him to Kareem Hunt when Kareem Hunt came out of Toledo. And and even at the Combine, Zach Moss, um, his 40 time was very similar to Kareem Hunt's. He was in the 4.65 range. I, I really don't care about that. I don't think long speed is his game. And as we saw from Kareem Hunt, he made big plays in the NFL. The problem is the injury for Zach Moss. Uh, people are a little bit worried about that knee. And then uh, talking to my guy, Graham Barfield, who does his Yards Created series, he was very worried about Moss's ability to carry the ball between the tackles, which was a strength of Kareem Hunt's game. So when I combine the injury, uh, even though he's got the great contact balance that reminded me of Kareem Hunt, when I combine that injury with the fact that he struggled a little bit on the interior, and if you struggle on the interior and you're running a 4 6 five, you can't get to the perimeter as quickly. That starts to worry me a little bit. And I, I think back to like five years ago when Jay Ajayi came out of Boise State. The film suggested a second or third round draft pick. The injury bumped him to the fifth round. And then he really had to earn his way into the lineup with Miami. And then, of course, now we're looking at a guy who those knees, that problem has crept up for him. He might never play in the league again. I wonder if the same thing's going to happen for Zach Moss. He looks like on film to a lot of people a day two pick. I'm starting to believe he's going to be more of a day three guy, and that land, he's going to be very landing spot dependent. And unfortunately, the, the, the deeper you get into day three, the greater the chance you land on a loaded depth chart, and he might never get a shot to contribute as a rookie. So I'm a little bit worried about Zach Moss at this stage with everything we've learned in the past couple of weeks. Your underrated guy is a guy that I met at the U.S. Army Bowl three years ago, high school quarterback from the state of Mississippi, Cam Akers, who went to Florida State as a running back. They obviously have had a really tough stretch of quarterback play. It's amazing how long Florida State has also had a horrendous offensive line, which I think actually bodes well for him coming to the NFL. Whatever team he goes to, their offensive line – can't be worse than what he had at Florida State. It just shocks me how how elite programs like Florida State can have such a down period at the offensive line for so long. Um, you know, quarterbacks are hard to find. We understand that. And 
they've 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 been up and down there. Uh, uh, Francois and Blackman since Jameis Winston left school, but obviously Cam Akers here, similarly to Dalvin Cook, he's somebody who's had to perform behind a terrible offensive line, and he manages to show very good vision, a good feel for the game. Despite all of that, um, I'm not sure he's as explosive as Dalvin Cook. Um, I'm not sure he's as shifty as Dalvin Cook, but this is a guy who showed a great feel for the zone run game, and I really appreciated that from Cam Akers. And the other thing about him is you wonder if he's a little bit underrated because he was a very hyped prospect coming out of high school. Like you said, he was a high school quarterback. I believe he was a five-star recruit. In a way, he kind of reminds me of somebody from Michigan in this draft class, Donovan Peoples-Jones, in that, you know, he was this five-star recruit, this super highly hyped prospect who was a good college player, but maybe not the dominant college player people would have expected. And maybe that forces people to over overlook him. But the thing I really like about Cam Akers when it comes to fantasy is I think he's a good receiver. I think he's got a shot to be a great receiver at the next level. Um, so that's why I really like Cam Akers as kind of an underrated prospect here. I, I don't think anybody's talking about him the way they're talking about J.K. Dobbins or DeAndre Swift, or Jonathan Taylor, or Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but I think in the right spot, Cam Akers can be a day-one contributor, both for reality and for fantasy. Wide receiver is next up, and you have a couple of intriguing names here that I really want to dive into. Uh, let's start with the guy that you feel like is a little overrated, and that is Denzel Mims from Baylor. You know, nobody has him on a properly rated list. He, he lives on overrated mm -hmm. or underrated lists. No, nobody has Denzel Mims properly rated for whatever reason. I was uh, really struggling with this, Ross. When we said we were going to do this, this podcast with an underrated and an overrated prospect at every position because I am really, really hesitant to call any of these wide receivers overrated because I think it's a great class and I think it is entirely system coaching landing spot dependent on how I'm going to feel about these guys. And, you know, maybe if Denzel Mims lands somewhere like Philadelphia where they need a big fast, long stride receiver to get down the field, maybe I'm ranking this guy like third among rookie wide receivers. But the one thing I am starting to worry about is that, you know, I don't know who said this or who published this, but I saw a tweet yesterday that said an NFL scout, I think an anonymous NFL scout, ranked Denzel Mims better than guys like Ruggs and C.D. Lamb. And I was starting to be like, okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit here. He's an older prospect, and there's a lot of studies that suggest the later you break out in college, the less likely you are to succeed in the NFL at the wide receiver position. And I did worry a little too much that Denzel Mims was a highlight real player. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, if he has great highlights, he's a great player. I think back to a guy that we've had on the program here in the last few weeks, our, our guy Scott Barrett. And he put up a, a thread a few months ago on Twitter where he has a theory that contested catch ability in college is significantly overrated when you come to the NFL because that indicates that you can't separate and you're going to have a tougher time separating in the NFL if you can't separate in college. And I think back to a guy who the Eagles drafted in the second round last year 
who when he came out of Stanford, everybody, the first thing you said about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was, well, he's big and he's great at the catch point. He's great with contested catches. And he really struggled to separate. He really struggled to run routes. And he really struggled to get open in his rookie season in the NFL. So the fact that he's a great contested catch wide receiver and the fact that he was a late breakout guy gives me some hesitation when it comes to Denzel Mims. Now, he's a way better athlete than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. He ran a 4.38. He's 6'3", 207. He blew up the combine. Great broad jump. Great vertical jump. Great arm length. All those traits are positive, but the film, the late breakout, gives me a little bit to worry about when it comes to Denzel Mims, and that's why I think ranking him ahead of somebody like a Ruggs or a Lamb is just not something I would do. So I'm a little bit worried about those things because this is a player who is getting significant hype as we head into next week's draft. On the other side, on the underrated portion, kind of weird to talk about a USC wide receiver who's big, strong, physical, his dad played in the NFL for a long time, being on the underrated list, but that's where you have Michael Pittman. Yeah, 6'4", 223, guys almost built like a tight end. Um, 4'5", 240, I think people might worry about, but again, 6'4", 223, he's just a little bit smaller than a tight end and four, five, two for a tight end is pretty freaking good. He is huge. He's physical. Um, he's quick. I, that's the one thing he might not have the great speed, but I think he's got some good quickness. Um, I think he's very good after the catch. Um, hard to bring down, and I think he's a smart receiver. Again, you mentioned Michael Pittman, the running back, won the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay uh, back in the day. He he grew up around football, so he has these football smarts. Um, I know he's a favorite of John Hansen's um, uh, from SiriusXM. I know he's a favorite of Greg Cosell. As a matter of fact, I think Greg Cosell said that Although his traits aren't the same as Mike Evans, Mike Evans is just a complete freak, that big X is kind of the prototype for Michael Pittman's game. This, to me, is somebody who he's going to get drafted in the second round. I don't think anybody's put him in the first round in their mock drafts. And then we're going to look back in time and think, how the hell did he not go in the first round? Kind of like we do with Michael Thomas right now. So I think Michael Pittman's going to be somebody who is going to make teams very, very happy in the second round. Also played in the slot, by the way, at times at 6'4", 223. That is a matchup nightmare in the NFL. And very often in college, you see these receivers come in and they play really only one spot predominantly. Michael Pittman lined up all over the formation. This is a smart player. I think he's going to make a team very happy in the second round. Let's move on to tight end. Pretty quiet tight end draft. And it's yeah. interesting because coming into the season, there was excitement about Pinckney from Vanderbilt and Albert O. I know you know how to say his last name. I don't. Kuwe Munam. Vander, uh, from Missouri. You know, there was excitement about those guys. And yet, you know, they're not even looked at as being the top guys really at their position. And. A lot of people think that there won't be a tight end that goes in the first round of this draft. We'll start with the guy that you think is a little bit overrated for fantasy purposes, and that's Cole Komet from Notre Dame. Yeah, so I really, like I said, 
I was very hesitant to rank somebody as overrated in the wide receiver class because I love them so much. I'm very hesitant to rank somebody as overrated as a tight end, especially because nobody seems to like this tight end class. So I don't want Cole Komet to take this personally, but I'm, I'm just not, I didn't think his, his tape was all that great. The thing everybody's going to like about him is the fact that he's 6'6", 262 pounds. And I think that's going to make him imposing at the next level. Uh, at the combine, he ended up testing actually very well for his size. He ran a, a 4'7", a 4'740". His vertical jump was outstanding at 37 inches. His broad jump was 123, but his agility drills were really poor. And I actually thought that when watching him, he was kind kind of more of a straight line type of guy, maybe a down the seams receiver than somebody who's going to get open with quickness like a Zach Ertz or somebody who can really run away from the defense and make guys miss like Travis Kelsey. I don't think he's as athletic as a George Kittle. So I've, I think he's probably somebody who's going to settle in more to being a mid range receiving tight end, which is, which is fine. I mean, I think he can put together a long career, but at that size, you need somebody who's going to be a really good blocker. And I don't think he was that in, in, uh, in college guys can improve. There's no doubt about that. But early on, I wonder if Cole Komet's going to struggle to get on the field a little bit. On the flip side, underrated, underappreciated, under whatever, We've got Adam Troutman from Dayton. Man, first of all, I love me some FCS guys. You know, mm-hmm. there's just a loyalty there when you're – we called it 1AA back in my day, but I, 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 I just – there's loyalty there, number one. Number two, I, people understand. Like his conference, the Pioneer League, Dayton, that is probably the single worst FCS conference. I mean, it's non-scholarship, and it's not like Ivy League non-scholarship. Like, it's – I mean, that is the worst league, I'd say, in FCS football. No knock to those kids. They're good kids. I mean, they're pretty good players. But, I mean, this is like the equivalent of Division II, maybe high-end Division III. It's pretty impressive that he's on your list here. So um, Troutman is starting to get a little bit of hype because he was super productive. I mean, really productive in college. But when you're 6'5", 255, Ross, and you're playing in, as you said, the worst conference in Division One AA, and I still call it that, by the way, you're going to get a lot of production because you're huge and you're playing against guys who are smaller and less talented than you are. So Adam Troutman certainly fits the bill of, of somebody who is going to have to adjust to the NFL. But I think back to what our guy Fran Duffy told me after the NFL Combine. He thought Adam Troutman had the single best positional drill of anybody at the tight end position. And that's not that's not your timed or your measured drills. By the way, where he was solid, he ran a 4.840, which is not great for his size. But he had a strong vertical jump at 34 and a half inches. And he was Excellent in the quickness and agility drills, 96th percentile three cone drill and a 71st percentile 20 yard shuttle. So this is a guy who has that quickness that Cole Komet might not have, but he was super productive and he had a great drill at the combine. So I think you have to measure that against the level of competition. Again, this is somebody who's probably going to struggle in the NFL when it comes to being a blocker because you're just not blocking the kind of athletes at that one double A level that he was in the uh, it, it, that uh, that he will be in the NFL. 
However, I do think this is a guy who might fit the profile of somebody who can come in and become more of an instant contributor as a receiver than somebody like Cole Komet. It might take a year or two for Adam Troutman. We see that all the time at the tight end position. It takes some guys time, but I think he's got a shot to be a pretty freaking good player at the next level as a receiver, as that modern tight end that we've started to see. I love it, Joe. Now that we know a guy at each position that you're high on, maybe that's the information we take over to betonline.ag. Combine that with what Steve Fezzik and I tell you about the draft and the prop bets that are available for the draft, and boom, there you go. We will get a chance to bet on them. You get a 100% sign-up bonus. When you go to bet online and use the promo code podcast one, by the way, there's also all kinds of eating competitions going on that they're setting lines for and otherwise. So pretty awesome. BetOnline.ag promo code podcast one for the 50% welcome bonus to bet on the draft or otherwise. Speaking of the draft or otherwise, we're going to dive into the defensive backs, corners, safeties, such an important position with Greg Cosell, my guy, the GOAT, on tomorrow's Ross Tucker football podcast. So you absolutely want to check out Greg on tomorrow's RTFP. Yesterday, Andrew Brandt, pretty interesting going over whether or not he thought Christian McCaffrey was worth the money and more on yesterday's Ross Tucker football podcast. So we basically have a new show for you. Every day, if you want it, if you're in a dynasty, check out the Dynasty Theory podcast. If you're into just awesome ladies talking fantasy football, that would be fantasy football ball blast. For right now, though, I am stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.